Thank you for joining us on today's episode. As promised, we'll be picking up where we left off in our last episode with the remainder of our great conversation with Chanel P.J. Yarbrough, author and speaker. Without further ado, let's get back into it. And then I think I share in the book about how I did even attempt to call my biological mother and get her to give me some information and for her to have an opportunity to give me some some things I didn't know about my beginning. And she wasn't ready either. And so I had to go ahead without that being a part of the process. And because it's time out for us putting our healing on pause Mm. for people who are still broken. We have to make sure that we invest enough in ourselves and our own healing that it doesn't matter what someone thinks or what they're going to feel if it will get me healed. And so that would be how I will categorize everyone else who did not always have a positive reaction to what I shared. It was necessary for my healing, even if they are not ready to walk that same road. That's good. That's really, really good. And I wrote down while you were talking some of the things you were saying. And one of the things that comes to my mind, um, how I just received what you said was you weren't loyal to the pain. You were committed to the legacy. And so that's, I think that's just so amazing. And especially the way you brought everybody in to share. And again, this is your story. You weren't trying to, and, and, and I think the beauty of the way you wrote it I never took from it that you were trying to make anybody look bad. I think you were telling your truth. It doesn't, I didn't feel like anybody was being slighted. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, I saw the heart, the intent behind it was to genuinely share you. And so for that, I feel like it was just very well, um, you documented well and with grave intention to keep it about, um, the struggle and then the freedom on the other side of of that struggle. So no, I think that that's absolutely, it's just amazing. And I'm telling you, I'm going to write, I told another girl from down there that wrote a book and, and and she did, she did fiction. And I was like, y'all are going to talk me into writing a book here after a little while. No. And I would love, I love to read. And, And again, this book was a page turner, but I, I always find the beauty and again, in fact, finding the value in the village um, was was just beyond um, what I read. But to your point, being able to see where you are now, to see where you work now. And, and remind me, you work with foster children now, correct? Well, I used to. I okay. no longer do that work. However, I am still a part of a leadership team for one of the agencies here in town Got it. that works with foster children. So. I formerly was the executive director and administrator of the Agape House Home. And so that at the time I was writing that book, God put me back in foster care. Ah, oh, crazy. Because yes. by education and profession, I'm an educator. I've been a teacher, an educator in some shape, form, or fashion for 22 years. Mm-hmm. But for 18 months, he put me in foster care as an administrator and executive director of this foster home. And somehow I happened to be writing the book at the same time. That is not coincidence. It's the God link, right? He allowed me to be there at the foster home 
interacting with children who were literally living what I once lived. Wow. And it really opened me up. And I never can, I, I never can get that out of my head when I think about it. I'm like, wow, you know, I would have been quite removed from it, if you will, if I had not been sitting literally in it every day while I was writing the book. So uh, I know that it was certainly something that he did on purpose, for a purpose. And there are too many stories to share of how I watched those children, 19 children in 18 months that I was that in that role. Um, each one were a part of me and my journey. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, well, let me, I got to switch tracks on you for a second. Okay. You mentioned something else in the book that I think, and because I grew up in church, I, I felt like it is something to, um, that we can talk about and um, talk about from a perspective of how do we, how do we grow from there? And it's church hurt. It's common. And again, yes. Um, when you've been raised with tradition, a lot of times we're committed to tradition over actual biblical teaching sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought what was pivotal in your book is that two things that is that number one, obviously, you know, God always, you know, pushed you forward. You continue to have a desire and a growing longing for, um, the peace that came from God. But is that you were moving into the role of a minister's wife. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was how did you rewrite or reset expectations for this is, I will still to still continue to be salt and light, but I'm yes. going to do it the way that I believe God's word says. How did you, how did you decide to change that narrative, because that's a strong one that we all have had to deal with. Oh, my goodness. So you did like literally <laughs> shift for me here. OK, I just want to make sure you know that you just shifted. And I'm over here like, whoo, I like this question. And then I have to be careful at the same time. Right. that I make sure yes, I please. am able to articulate this in a way that is uh, respectful, yes. but very, very much truthful. Yes. So as you said, I mentioned the church hurt and let's just put it out there. Everybody has had. Yes. Everybody's experienced it and it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. If I can say that the minister's wife and then later on the pastor's wife does come with in our culture, a different set of expectations. Mm -hmm. Some of those are spoken and some of those are unspoken, but I will tell you no matter what, many times they're impossible. Yeah, because people forget that while we are alongside our husband, whether we are working with him or sitting on the pew and asking you to leave us alone because we don't really want to do that. This is his job. We're <laughs> under scrutiny. And, you know, here we are, the quote unquote first lady. And, <laughs> and what people don't understand is first, I am a lady. First, I am just like you. Girl. I am not perfect. I cannot always be emotionally composed. I'm going to have challenging days. And because I chose to make that known, and really, I think I was misunderstood originally because I'm such a lover of people that I 
I'm not necessarily looking for friends, but I'm very friendly. And so I'm thinking she is my friend and they are my friends. But mm. yet they're looking at me and saying, wait a minute, she doesn't look like the other pastor's wives that you know are in our surrounding area. So we need to fix her so that she doesn't embarrass us when we get out in public outside of our own, you know, little house of worship. Yeah. And so they did quote unquote again fix me. You yeah. know, they they told me what to wear. They gave me instructions on how to wear my hair. They told me this was a no and that was a no. And I did what I was told because I was so young in that role that two things. I wanted to honor God and they made me believe that's what God said. Yes. And two, I didn't want to embarrass my husband. Yes. And he even admits that he also agreed that I needed to stay within this box and this mold because he didn't want people to not accept me. Mm. He was trying to actually cover me from rejection. So yes, they do this, 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 and this, and you'll be okay. Yeah. But as I was doing those things, whether they were internal or external, they all were, instead of building me up, breaking me down. Yes. And I was living rejected again. Yeah. Why can't I just do this instead of that? Because I'm not like her and she's a lot older than me. And we don't have the same preferences. So I'll use a couple of things for exact example. Sure. I didn't want straight hair. I didn't want super curly hair. I don't want any hair. <laughs> hey, and let me just say, y'all, she rocking adult cut like nobody's busy. Like, like my mohawk it. is what I want. And, and what makes my mohawk wrong if that's what I want, I'm just going to talk about my hair because, you know, we love sure. our hair. Come right? on, now. come on. So, so, so my hair was a representation of me, my freedom. And I apologize. I, I did apologize so many years for, oh, I, I, I didn't know I shouldn't wear that. Oh, and I knew, but I was just trying to like put my toe in the water. Yeah. And then finally, after I got free and I realized that, you know, some people were not going to like me no matter what I looked like or how I presented myself. Yeah. So I might as well be happy in myself. That was something that helped me get over the hurt because I finally got it. Like, no matter what, I can't please everybody. So why not just be pleased with myself? Oh. And if I can trace back and look that God is pleased, Yes. My husband's happy. I can be who he made me to be, not who other people desire for me to be. Ooh. And with that, the, the freedom came and it's not to be disrespectful, but it is to respect myself instead. No, I think that that's absolutely amazing. So I appreciate that honesty and that candor. Um, from you. And again, especially I thought the beauty of, of that part of your story was that you are a pastor's wife and you can speak to something that we all that are non-pastor wives talk about all the time. And so yes. no, I thought that was absolutely um, amazing. And so I got to ask you this question because I think the biggest thing out of reading your book and just sitting here talking to you now 
what what nuggets or what wisdom would you share with a young lady who's struggling with her identity, whether it be just because she was a foster child and became adopted and and, you know, may not know a lot about her history. What would you share about her uh, to her that could help her navigate this space a little bit as she works to find out who she is? Yes, I, I really love that question because I know that it's one that resonates with everyone. We are brought into this world literally to find out who we are and what our purpose for being in this world <laughs> uh, you know, is. And so when I think about identity, I can look at it in, in a whole lot of ways. I think that it has different facets. And so uh, since we are talking about our relationship with God and and we we know that that is more or less our North Star. Mm-hmm. We want to start there and say that we're made in his image. He is, you know, an I am God. He says, I am God. And so if we aren't sure of who we are and we have accepted him, we can study him to find out who the I am is. And then we become that. So I think identity goes back to the I am first and foremost in our lives. You know, who is God? What are his attributes? What are his characteristics? What does he look like in his very being? And so that comes through in the Trinity. So God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And so we have all of that to study to help us determine who I should be. Now, that's like the theological answer I give you as I think about um, and I'm not I'm not a master of theology by any means but then if I'm if I'm talking to and I often do um, mentor women and young girls especially teenagers I begin to ask them to identify what they know about themselves and I ask them as much as they possibly can to stay positive. So identify everything you know about yourself that is positive first. And so I am kind, I am loving, I am dedicated, I am strong. You know, whatever those might be, that helps you to have a list of who you are. Then let's be let's be real. There are some things that we need to identify about ourselves that are not so positive. So make that list as well. Mm. The goal and the hope is that the one that is positive outweighs the one that's negative. But if you see things that you identify while you're trying to come up with your identity, this is where you have the option to start making adjustments. You start you start being able to develop and grow and change. And that only comes by first truly looking ourselves in the mirror and seeing what's in front of us and deciding if we like what we see or not. Mm. I've been telling people that one thing COVID did for me, um, I'm on Zoom a lot. I'm on Microsoft Teams. I'm on all these different tools and uh, I I, I see myself (laughs) a lot. Okay. (laughs) So... I have figured out because I see myself, unless I hide the view of myself, I see myself so much now that before 2020 and 2021, I didn't know I had wrinkles forming. I didn't know. I didn't know. 
But now that I look at myself all the time, I'm like, oh my goodness, let me use this feature that they have over here in the choose virtual settings uh, so I can I can give myself a little bit of a highlight and I can change my appearance, <laughs> touch myself up. It's just the same as us using filters when we take a selfie. Oh, I don't like that blemish over there. So let me put this filter on it. So as we're identifying ourselves, we're seeing who we really are. Yeah. We either like it or we make an adjustment. Yeah. So the whole point that I'm trying to make is see yourself for who you truly are. Identify the good and the bad and then start making daily adjustments to grow, change and develop because we will never have our full identity as long as we're on the earth. I'll make this uh, point and I'll be finished with this question. I love Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Mm, yes. So she opens the book by saying, people always ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And she said, I never ask people that because you're always becoming something else. So even when we find a piece of our identity, don't settle in that too long because you're probably going to morph and change and become something else, which gives you a little grace for yourself to not be so hard on your yourself as you're trying to figure out who am I? Uh, girl. I'm sorry. No, that was amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad this is recording y'all because I got to come back and listen to this. This might be my morning motivation PJ for a few days, like 100%. I can't say thank you enough. Like I feel like I'm going to have to have another conversation with you in the very near future. Um, I would love it. I appreciate your time this morning and the seeds and the nuggets that you dropped in this conversation. It was it was eye opening. And again, another opportunity for me to see the value in the village um, that exists around me. And so if you don't mind, would you share your social media handles and where we can get your book? Because I definitely want to make sure that everybody has a chance to read this. Um, connect with you where possible. And again, I just feel like there is so much to be said in a space where I see more people adopting children. And I think um, just the nuggets that you can give in that lane would be absolutely just amazing. And I will be interviewing a girl actually in a few weeks who recently adopted. And so I immediately thought about, oh my gosh, she should meet PJ. Like, I think it is absolutely amazing what you're doing. So thank you so much. Please take a moment, share your social media and your contact information. So, and I will definitely be sharing this on my page. Wonderful. Well, I want to say thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this conversation and I went on a few tangents. So um, I, I appreciate your giving me that grace and allowing me to get excited because I just get excited. My husband says I'm an excellent communicator, which means I talk too much, uh, but it's okay. We'll let him get away with that. Look, you tell him like I tell my husband, my crayon box is 64 colors and he is his eight. Yes, I love that. I'll have to use that later on today. So to find me, the, the main place I'll send you because it's out there and I don't share it as often as I should chanelepjyarbrough.com. That is my website where people have the opportunity to see every facet of my life as an author, an educator, a consultant, a coach, a speaker, and even the ministry that, I, that I'm blessed to be able to do. So Chanel PJ 
yarbro.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-I-L-P-J-Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H.com. On Facebook, I'm exactly the same, Chanel P.J. Yarbrough. And on Instagram, I'm Chanel Yarbrough. And so I'm really not one to do much advertising and marketing, if you will. Everything that's happened for me, and I'm still amazed at what God has done for me and how many opportunities he's allowed me, it's organic. It, It is always a God move. And so as I hear from people, I'm just blessed to know that they have experienced me in whatever way, whether it's a book or they heard me speak or they're needing me to do some life coaching or they're wanting me to come and look at some things at their business or they just need me to uh, listen to them for a few minutes minutes and talk about a, a difficult day they're having. I count it all a pleasure and a joy. So um, that is certainly the way I feel about you having me today on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Today, it's been great. Um, Chanel P.J. Yarbrough, her book that I read, and I can't wait to see if there's anything else, Born a Statistic, Living Rejected, Agreeing with God. It has been wonderful. It has been amazing. And I will always, always, always appreciate you for doing this with me. And you got to hug Larry D. for me and tell him I miss him and glad to see you guys are doing so well. Absolutely. And when you go to the website, you'll see book number two is already out there, Life After the Struggle. Come on now, come through. Hey ladies, thanks for listening to the Heart Headed Way podcast. Please subscribe and share with your family, friends, coworkers, whomever. Also, be sure to connect with us on social media, Facebook and IG at The Heart Headed Way. And finally, if you have some podcast topics or you would even like to be a guest on the show, please email me at thehardheadedway at gmail.com. Make it a great one, ladies. Bye.